You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode. Hamish Hodder is joining me as always. Hamish, how are you going? I'm doing well. We're uh, almost ready to go. What, less, than a, to go. less than a week out. I feel very yep. unprepared. Um, yeah, I don't but, feel uh, very prepared, prepared, hey? No. I, yeah, I really need to get better at organizing just everything in my life. Mm. <laughs> no. But uh, particularly these trips, I just, I'm not the kind of person to write out really good lists and and you know that sort of thing so we'll, yeah. we'll just wing it if i forget anything i'm sure we'll be able to find it hopefully. so for those that don't know me and hamish are going to the united states next week to attend the berkshire hathaway meeting and joining us on that trip mm-hmm. is the man the myth the legend investing with tom and he's here today how you going mate good good how are you guys yeah, very good. Thanks oh, for coming wow. on the podcast. It should be good. Um, yeah, this is our squad. This is our dream team. We're going to be spending a, a couple of weeks together. Um, mm. Hopefully, we uh, we don't end up hating each other at the end of it, but uh, it should be good. <clears throat> this is going to be the experience of a lifetime, I reckon. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, like, I think I was listening to your podcast, Tom, with Guy Spear not too long ago. And right at the end of the podcast, Guy said something like, because uh, originally you weren't going to come along. You said you couldn't do it, the laws in New Zealand. Yeah. And then at the end of the podcast, Guy was saying something like, uh, look, Tom, the one thing I'd tell you is that don't let money stop you from doing big experiences, life-changing <laughs> once in a lifetime. And then yeah. I'm sitting here going, like, yeah, it's Tom. It's your destiny in a way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that got me across the line. You can't say no to Guy. No, yeah, yeah. exactly. But no, what what was the actual story? Because you did have some some like issues with actually being able to go, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it was our like our travel restrictions were still very harsh with COVID and everything, and um, you know, I would have had to come back and do like two week quarantine in a hotel and all that fun stuff. So, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's much more relaxed now. So. Um, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm equally as unorganized as you guys, though. So I'm just fingers crossed I've done all the right paperwork and we can get COVID yeah. tests before we travel and, and all of that. Um, there's there's yeah. a lot to kind of think about, particularly with COVID. I mean, there's just I feel like surely we've forgotten something. I don't know. Nah, maybe not. Probably. But I mean, I've I've obsessed over at least that part, trying to make sure that we've got everything organized. But mm. it's going to be difficult. I hope I booked some good places. I hope I haven't booked in some terrible they look areas. pretty good, I tell you. They were surprisingly cheap, though. So I'm kind of... We'll, we'll, we'll see what area I've, I've <laughs> probably rock up and <laughs> it's not the greatest area, but no, I think, um, I think they'll be all right. I wanted to try and find some places that would be kind of cool to record in as well since we're probably going to be recording yeah. some content there with video. I think so. that's going to be the hard thing for us to remember is that we're kind of there to work at the same time. I feel like as soon as I step on that plane, I'm just going to be in holiday mode. I have to be like, ah, videos, making videos. But um, yeah, but yeah, no, it should be good. I've actually got, I'm a little bit nervous at the moment, guys, because I've had a bit of a COVID scare <gasps> over the past couple of days. I'm actually, I'm actually serious, which I'm fingers crossed does not eventuate into anything. But I came into contact with someone with COVID on Saturday and my girlfriend was there as well. 
and now she has developed symptoms. So I, I'm symptom free. So I'm lucky in that sense, but- Have you done a test? Uh, yeah, I did a PCR test last night. We both did PCR tests last night. And you don't, night. haven't had the result yet? Haven't had the result yet. <laughs> Brandon, so this Brandon. Is actually, the one thing you're supposed to do before a trip is not see people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I saw this person on Saturday, which is a week and a half beforehand. Yeah. But yeah. It's really woken me up to, I really need to cotton wool myself for the next yes. week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm really hoping because this is actually, sorry to drop this kind of bombshell on you right now, but this is actually like a potential, like if, if cause I have to stay isolated. If I tested positive, I have to stay isolated for seven days, which makes me miss the flight. Mm. So there's that potential, but hopefully it doesn't come to that, but sorry to start this podcast on a <laughs> Jeez, bit of a downer. Man. And on that yeah, note. I, know, right? <laughs> I mean- Luckily, I'm I'm asymptomatic, so hopefully that means something. Although I know a lot of people just have COVID mm. and don't have any symptoms, but yeah, fingers crossed. But I figure if I can if I can get on top of it now, even if the worst possible outcome happens and I do have it, I have to isolate for seven days. There's still a window of opportunity for me to catch a later flight and still get there. So, but anyway, yeah. hmm. Yeah. Well, what are we talking about now? <laughs> Jeez. All right. <laughs> so, dro- drop a, dropping bombshells on you. No, but no, I thought like half the reason I wanted to bring, uh, well, we wanted to have you on the podcast, Tom, this week is just to spitball about this trip because it's going to be so much fun. So, we're leaving next Wednesday, right? Yes. Should, hopefully, I've got that right. <laughs> well, we're all going to, we're all going to Sydney we're, on the Tuesday, Tuesday right? Tuesday. That's yeah. sort of the first we're, bit yes, of travel. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine we've just like booked the wrong day. Like Brandon, <laughs> Brandon thinks we're going oh to God. Sydney on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, our flight to America's on Thursday, right? <laughs> Hang on. No. Hang on. Pause the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to be all in Sydney. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to do our test first and then party it up. No, not really. Yeah. Um, we we'll have to, we really will have to cotton wool ourselves. Cause I feel like if we, even if we get COVID during the trip, that's going to be a disaster as well, because that will surely limit whatever we can do after that. But yeah, then mm. we fly over to the, to the States, to LAX and then across to Omaha and then the meetings on the 30th, right? Uh, so that'd be pretty yeah, cool. Right. So the yeah. Saturday? I think it's on the mm-hmm. Saturday, the 30th. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, what do you guys what do you guys so we've been trying it's been a pain in the butt. We've been trying to like book podcasts and and maybe get some content done with uh with other well-known value investors, but it hasn't been going too well for us unfortunately. But uh, Tom, you've got a pretty exciting opportunity while you're over there. You are going to a dinner with Guy Spear. <laughs> yeah, we're, let, we're letting that exciting. out on the podcast. Yeah, we, well, initially, like the story <laughs> is initially the three of us got invited to a barbecue with Guy Spear and um, and Matt Peterson, if anyone is familiar with Matt. He's the guy that's done done good work on the Daily Journal Corporation um, and a little bit on Seritage and things as well. So we're still all going to the barbecue with Matt, right? That's on a Thursday, mm-hmm. I think. But um, yeah, I somehow managed to weasel my way into a Friday night Aquamarine fun dinner. So um, that should be cool. I tried to get you guys in as well, but no you luck, did. You tried hard. Yeah, but Guy just wanted it just to be the two of you. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. It is so, what it is. So just Guy's assistant said the spaces are limited. There's only one seat available opposite Guy. Yeah. <laughs> he only does dinners for two. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, that's no, that's seriously exciting. I wonder how many, do you have any vague idea of how many people are going to be at this meeting? Because by the sounds of things, it doesn't sound like there's going to be that many. I've got absolutely no idea. Uh, well, um, surely they, mm. yeah, I mean, Guy's assistant just said like it's for aquamarine investors and VIPs. So that made me feel special. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I've got no idea, honestly. And I, I don't know how many people are going to this barbecue with Matt as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, true. Imagine if we just show up and it's just like us and Matt. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> just, well, hey, thanks for coming to that barbecue, guys. Well, <laughs> it's, no worries. It's funny. I think it could go one of two ways. It's, it's either we turn up and it's just us and Matt or, I don't know, maybe like Phil Town and Danielle Town are there because I know Matt's good friends with, with Danielle. Um, oh, really? Wow. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Monus rocks up. Who knows? It's yeah. all possible. Yeah. Warren makes it in for a guest appearance. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for inviting me, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be insane. Mm. Nah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. Yeah, it's a uh, lot to look forward to. After Omaha, we're going to head over to down to Texas, which will be good. Another place uh, I don't think any of us have, have been before. Um, so we're going to head into Austin and uh, Houston. Um, what are we doing down in uh, down in Texas? We don't really know yet, right? We're just kind well, of we got. I the- definitely want to go to the Gigafactory. Yeah, I want to see that Texas Gigafactory. <clears throat> I think that'll be sick. I mean, I'm just a Tesla fanboy, so <laughs> I, originally I wanted to take us down to Boca Chica and have a look at the Starship as well, but that seems like it's just more more effort than maybe what it's worth for the three of us. I mean, I'd be keen, but I think it's just too too much driving. Yeah. We lose too much of our holiday to travel time, I think. Yeah. So. Another day. Maybe maybe one yeah. day we'll go we'll go down into we'll go visit Mexico and then on the way through we can we can That'd go be to cool. Boca Chica. Go to Mexico. Because hmm. uh, it is right it's right it's basically is Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's that close to it. Um, yeah, I think if but no, I so think yeah, if we were so, ever gonna run into like drug smugglers or something, that's uh, probably <laughs> probably where we'd do it. It'd be in Boca Chica, would it? <laughs> Well, that's what that's what the the so starship the, is for. Oh, they fly right. from Mexico to Boca Chica with yeah, yeah, massive okay. payload capacity. That mm. makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and yeah. it goes over the wall. So yeah. <laughs> over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh, all, the, all the VC funding for SpaceX is actually from like some sort of drug cartel. It's just it's just it's drug just money. Just <laughs> Oh uh, dear, oh dear! The banter has begun. Uh, um, but yeah, no. What, and what are we doing in? Um, so we're going to Austin first. So we spend our time in Omaha, do our work, attend the meeting. Mm. You know, oh, so strenuous that work. We go down to Austin, and then we go across to Houston. Yeah. And then what are we doing in Houston? We want to watch some sport, do we? Do we figure out if there is going to be any sport or if we, if we hit a bad time? There's going to be uh, some baseball we can get to. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'm sure we'll find something. There has to be lots of sport on, yep. surely. I don't think there's any basketball on. Their playoffs are on at the moment, but I don't think Houston are in the playoffs, I believe. Mm. So, that's unfortunate. But, um, yeah, we'll go see some baseball. I've never seen a baseball game before. In fact, I don't think I've ever watched a full baseball game before. I don't even know how baseball works, so that'll be that'll be one for for me to learn. Well, it's kind of just it's kind of cricket, but worse, isn't it? Yeah, okay. I think so. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> so so oh, really man, boring. We've just, we've just really annoyed a lot of Americans that are listening to this. No. Um, no, I'm really excited. I think baseball would be sweet. I've never seen, like, I don't really know the sports of, of well, I know the sports, but I don't know the rules of the sports of America, like NFL and, and NBA and baseball and that sort of stuff. What's what's the what's the acronym for the baseball competition? NBL. Is it NBL? Yeah, I think so. National Baseball League. Is Major it? MLB. I don't know. No, Major League MLB. Baseball. Major League Baseball. <laughs> we look so <laughs> stupid here. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I love it. But no, it will be. It yeah, will it be MLB. cool to go and see some yeah. of the sports there's, for sure. There's got to be some people watching us that are in Texas that can tell us all the cool things to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd like to volunteer to be a tour guide for us. <laughs> we need to we need to be shown around. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so we go to Texas for a bit and then, Tom, that's where you leave us, isn't it? Unfortunately, yes. Yep. So, Bye-bye. I mean, that, that'll fill up a couple of weeks, though. We're in Omaha for a good length of time and then Texas for about a week as well, I think, right? I wonder what mm. Omaha's going to be like. I think it'll be quiet. I think- Well, for- actually, it's probably not going to be quiet while this whole event is going on, actually. There's probably going to be quite a lot of people there, but- yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think come Sunday, Monday, it's just going to be dead. Like after the meeting, mm. Mm. probably reverts back to how it normally is. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just have no idea because you see those population maps and like of America and how it's just the two coasts is where everybody is, and then the center of America is like absolutely nobody. But I mean, we're going to the way you know. It still looks like it's a fairly well developed city. It looks like it's about the same size as my city. So, I don't know. I'm really interested to see, like, what we're going right to the heart, like the dead center of America. I wonder what it's going to be like. Mm. But uh, Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the population of Omaha is, what, like high 400,000s, I think. And mm. a couple of years ago, there were like 40,000 people came to the Berkshire meeting. So, that sort of adds like 10% to <laughs> Omaha's wow. population for the weekend. That's crazy. And you'd think it'd be bigger after a, a couple of years of not having it in person. Mm. Mm. That was like Melbourne last or the week before last with the Grand Prix. Just everybody was in Melbourne with their with their yeah. McLaren T-shirts on or their Ferrari T-shirts on. Oh, yeah. yeah, insane. I'm glad I wasn't driving through the city on, on that weekend. That would have been chaos through Melbourne. Do we have any predictions as what uh, as to what, what's going to happen at this Berkshire meeting? Do, do you guys know? Because there's, apparently there's like a, a market kind of like a – the whole, you know, market hall section as well, and then there's the the actual meeting itself. Do you have any kind of predictions or what what we what we think we're gonna like? Is it gonna be a situation where we're just gonna run into world famous value investors kind of on the floor of the convention? Do you reckon? Or I hope so. There's probably too many people there for that. Is there? I have. Do you have any predictions? I have no idea what to expect. I've never really watched any footage of cameras going through anything besides the actual meeting i thought you're gonna say yeah you've never watched i've never watched a berkshire meeting. meeting before no <laughs> i mean like, <laughs> where are we going again <laughs> no um no but outside of just the obviously the main event there's quite a lot to see and, and it's over the entire weekend so um i have no idea what to expect um i kind of like going into a lot of things like that not knowing what to expect, so I'm kind of surprised, but we'll we'll see. I don't know, Tom. Do you have you seen what's what 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 should be on or anything? Well, a little bit. I mean, the sort of the expo part of it's just a collection of all the Berkshire businesses, right? So like you you wander right. past you wander past C's and get some peanut brittle, and then you walk to a home builder, and then you buy some insurance at Geico. I, I don't. <laughs> I think it's just a <laughs> random assortment of companies. 
Uh, that's where they make all their money, just at that yeah. one event. Yeah. It's just it's just a Ponzi scheme of value in- investors in the company who then, <laughs> who then <laughs> buying all the products. Yeah, Warren Buffett's just looking from an overhead balcony, going, "Oh, look at all these suckers!" Yeah. He's just got this loop of investors guy, as customers, yeah, yeah. and then investing more and then buying more at the Berkshire. <laughs> yeah. It's like on the on the theme park games where you used to you used to build your theme park and get like a million people inside and then you used to delete the entrance and exit. It's like he's just watching everybody go around and this it's like you haven't bought your home insurance yet, mate. <laughs> you can't leave. Yeah, change yeah, the exit. Going guys. Was that wall there before? <laughs> uh, do you guys have any predictions of topics that are going to be heavily discussed at the Berkshire meeting? Uh, I mean, of course, we'll get a number of questions about some of the recent uh, acquisitions and investments Buffett or, or Berkshire has made. So, was it Al- Allegheny um, and HP? Um, those two mm, companies. Was, was there anything else he they they invested significantly into recently that I might have missed? I, I think it was just Berkshire. those two. What's that? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Berkshire investing in Berkshire—that'll probably True. be a big topic. Hey? Yeah. Probably more, I don't know, there's always a discussion around macroeconomics, even though I think Buffett doesn't kind of indulge it too much. Um, There'll definitely be a discussion around that considering everything that's happening at the moment. There's quite a few macroeconomic issues going on around the world. So those certainly will come up. Um, Yeah. Tom, are there any topics that you'd you'd want them to kind of discuss or anything that you'd want Charlie or or Warren to to kind of give you more detail on well um i don't know if they'll let it through but i would be surprised if there's not a heap of questions asking about alibaba even though it's not a berkshire investment um whether the people will actually let it through all the filters because it's not a berkshire question or not i don't know but it'd be cool if um charlie could confirm what looks like tax loss harvesting to people smarter than me (laughs) Mm. (laughs) with with Mm. alibaba and um i don't know i think also, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Ajit and Greg Abel are going to be up on stage as well this year. So, be interesting whether there's more like Berkshire Energy questions for Greg and maybe some insurance stuff for Ajit. But um, Warren and Charlie, obviously, still the stars of the show, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'm, yeah, true. I guess we'll kind of well every time there's an investment made in Berkshire now, everyone's like one looking at the investment but then also thinking who's made this investment is it is it still is it still warren um leading these decisions or or is the the baton been passed off on some of these investments so i think that's always going to be a topic as well of whether uh, the hp investment for example which i think was about five billion dollars i think or something like that um whether that was was warren or or someone else tom do you happen to know how much ted and todd Imagine, because I think back in the day, Warren said it was like he gave him $10 billion yeah, or something like that. But who knows what it is now, right? If they've grown it. Well, I think, um, I'm not sure if you guys caught it, but the Warren Buffett recently sat down and did an interview with Charlie Rose. Um, and I, oh, I've been meaning to watch yeah, that. I think, yeah, uh, I think $30 billion was mentioned in that interview that Ted and Todd look after. So, right. Um, oh, total. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so you can use that as a, I don't know. If you can, if something looks like a smaller investment, you can use that thirty billion mm. to see kind of what percentage it might be. So yeah, like HP's four or five billion. So yeah, maybe, but yeah. probably potentially. Warren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly the Allegheny one, which was I think twelve or eleven billion. I think you could pretty confidently say that that was a, a Warren decision, especially since it's a 
insurance company. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in the I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but in the filing, um, I didn't even know this was a thing, but in one of the SEC filings, they have to give a bit of like backstory to the acquisition and how it kind of came about. And it was literally like, um, you know, Warren went out for a casual dinner with, uh, must have been the CEO <laughs> of Allegheny or whatever, basically said, this is what I'll pay. And um, I don't want to pay the investment banker fees. That's why it was like a weird acquisition That's price. Right. It was like $848 yeah. or something instead of 850 That's right. I, I remember yeah. seeing, I think um, I read as well, it was like Warren had been watching the company for 50 or 60 years, I think it said <laughs> yeah. in there as yeah. well, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Just sat on the sidelines for this business. Yeah. Okay. Now's the time. Like, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I don't know if I want to, what I want to hear out of Warren. I mean- Honestly, he's probably done most of the general teachings that he could possibly do just over all of the years. So, I, I have a feeling that most of the stuff that we'll see is just going to be around current events. But uh, yeah. Warren, he, I mean, over the last little while, he's been doing this kind of lecture at the start. So, I wonder what his lecture might be about this year. I've got no idea. Mm. Yeah. Uh, maybe a bit. I don't know. He, he did the whole inflation interest rates one last year. So, I don't know what he'll talk about this year. But I guess mm. we will find out. Yeah. Anything else to add, gents, on the Berkshire Hathaway meeting or should we get cracking into some news stories? Nothing to add. No, I think that's Nothing. good. Hey, right. typical Charlie Munger over there. <laughs> Nothing to add. Um, Nothing to add. Yeah, we should, we should get into this big story, um, which is uh, Netflix. Uh, big yeah. moves in Netflix last night. Uh, well, last night for us, a couple of days ago for for everyone else. Um, and this came after their Q1 earnings were released um, the stock fell 35% last night, which was a massive drop. It was down about 25% in after hours when they released the the results after yesterday. Um, and then, yeah, it just continued to tumble yesterday. It's now actually down 70% from its all-time high, which is kind of insane. Um, wow. When was that? When, when was the all-time high? Was it like recently? Uh, yeah. So, in late 2021, I think around September was when it reaches reaches all-time high. So, Jeez. obviously, it's, with the massive amount of subscribers they gained through the pandemic, uh, it attracted a, you know, it, it grew their business significantly and it attracted a significant amount of investors, uh, particularly growth investors who um, were kind of looking at the the next couple of year horizon or even shorter than that. Um, and since then, um, the business has kind of faced a couple of things. One is, of course, a massive pull forward in subscribers from uh, 2020 to 2021. But now management is talking about uh, a number of other kind of issues that they believe were kind of shielded by the pandemic that they couldn't really see before, but now are confident will continue to impact the business going forward. So anyway, the, the key headline that everyone's seeing is that the total subscribers actually declined for the first time in uh, a decade. Um, so that's big news, of course, um, whenever a business goes through something like that. I mean, the same thing happened with um, Apple and the iPhone when they when they had the first decline in the number of units they sold and, and Facebook slowed down in their users. Any of these really big growth stories, big companies, um, it's, it's pretty common, I think, when there's a, when there's a, uh, a blip that uh, investors react quite negatively. But uh, the numbers came in at 221.64 million subscribers, which was down 0.2 million, so 200,000 from last quarter. And then I think worse than that was that they actually guided for a 2 million sub loss 
uh, next quarter. So they are actually- What's with that? That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, well, so there's a couple of things that go into this. One is seasonality. So Netflix's business is, is backend kind of heavy Q3, Q4. So if you right. look at their quarters, it's, it's typical for them to have kind of slower growth um, in the first couple of quarters, but it's certainly not typical for them to have declines. Um, the, the first one happened this quarter and, and there will be a second one if um, their guidance uh, is correct. But they really spoke about kind of four key uh, influencing factors um, that's influencing their growth at the moment. And two of them, they spoke about a lot. So I have a feeling that two of them are big kind of f- factors. And then the other two, they mentioned kind of briefly. So it doesn't seem like they're as important. The first one, which was kind of one of the minor ones, uh, was talking about how the addressable market that they're that they're in is very dependent on factors outside of Netflix's control. So um, they believe there's about 800 million households globally that have access to the internet, have broadband that's capable of of um, streaming Netflix. But things like the adoption of smart TVs in developing countries, and also just the transition from linear TV to streaming. Um, is kind of things that are outside of their control. They don't know the rate at which they're able to capture people, particularly if you think about markets mm. like India. Um, a good point. Massive market. Yeah. A lot of people, I think it was like three, 400, 500 million people got access to the internet in the last three, five years or something like that. An insane amount of people. Um, but most of these people are on mobile, um, which, which makes sense, mm. right? It's still a developing country. Um, so most people consume Netflix on a TV, on a smart TV. Um, so those are kind of, that was kind of the first thing that they, uh, that's that they something mentioned. I never really thought about, but it makes total sense. Like how many smart TVs are there in the world uh, I don't, or how many households with a smart TV? Yeah. Because I, I, I actually, like, I don't know this business well enough because I haven't really looked into Netflix in, uh, in the same kind of level that you have, Hamish. But I, I would imagine that, you know, even mobile or laptop, while it's nice to watch Netflix on those devices, probably not really what Netflix is going for. Mm. They probably want you to watch Netflix on a TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I've got no idea what the breakdown would be. I mean, you just said most people access through smart TVs, but I've got no idea. It'd be interesting if we had the stat like how much of their usage is on mobile devices, how much usage is on a smart TV, because then that, that might be really a key factor of how many f- families have a smart TV. Mm. A lot of the world probably doesn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we, we definitely don't have data from Netflix on on that, right. except that okay. they've said that the vast majority of people watch Netflix on a smart TV. Oh, okay, um, right. So that's like the, the main place where people consume. And in the US, of course, smart TVs are extremely penetrated, um, which makes sense. Same, same with most developed countries. But these international markets, which is where almost all of their growth is going to come from now, uh, that's not the case. But that was probably one of the minor reasons they didn't really spend too much time talking about it. The second reason was, was very kind of key. Um, they spoke about it a lot and this was account, account sharing. So spoke about this a ton. Um, they actually now estimate that there's a hundred million households that are using Netflix, uh, but not paying for it. So people sharing between households, um, which is a lot. That's like an extra 50%. Yeah, right. It's it's like an extra fifty percent um, of households um, that, w- that they could be capturing, um, which is massive. And uh, there's thirty million they believe in the US 
And that 30 million is, is crazy because they have 75 million subscribers in the US and the number of households in the US is about 110 million. Actually, I believe it's, a, yeah, so 110 million with US and Canada. And they oh, believe okay. they have 30 million people using it for free. So if you had do the run the numbers, that's they believe wow. there's 105 out of basically 110, maybe 120 million households. That's pretty much every household is using Netflix either for free or paying for it, which makes sense um, as to why their growth has, has struggled in, in the US. Um, there's obviously an upper limit that they've reached. Um, so, yeah. That's insane. What do they do? What do they do about it then? Yeah, so they're going to be testing a couple of things. And up until now, they've not really kind of focused on managing this because they were growing really fast. It wasn't a big concern. And they actually found it to be quite a good marketing tool because people would get to try Netflix who may not mm. have purchased it previously. So they essentially got some free marketing. And then when people are sharing their accounts, typically you'll upgrade to a higher plan so that you can support more screens. So they've kind of worked through it previously by just charging more for the higher tiers. Um, And if you imagine, if you have two households using a Netflix subscription and paying half, half, uh, then there's more room for them to raise the price of the subscription because two people are paying, if it's $15 a month or whatever, and really the two households are paying $750 a month, there's going to be a lot more room um, if mm. most ho- individual households are willing to pay $15. So um, that's how they've managed it previously. Now they're testing something called sub-accounts, which from what I understand, I don't know if, if you've looked at this, Tom, or, or if any, either of you have um, looked at this, but from what I can see, it sounds like they're not going to actually be like forcing people to pay more. It seems like they're just going to ask people to pay more, maybe through the use of profiles or something like that. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Opt in to pay more. Yeah, I've I've read a little bit about that. It does it does seem a lot like what you just said, Brandon, like a little bit of a honesty box type approach. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that it's going to be super effective at just straight kicking people off, if I'm no. understanding it correctly. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Reed Hastings, the CEO, has said, uh, up until now, and I agree with him that it's just very difficult and kind of invasive to 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 track. I mean, um, I mean, I, Spotify. You have to enter in your address because they try and do the same thing. They have family sharing accounts. I'm on a family sharing account, and you put in an address because you're supposed to be in the same household. But no one's coming and checking that. It's impossible for them to actually check if you're living in the same household as, as people on the account. Um, because of course you use the Spotify account outside of your house. So it can't just be kind of like IP based or whatever. Um, even that would probably be a massive violation anyway. Like you're not in your house. You've been in this other house for re- a really long time. Do you live here? Hey, Mish, we see you at 48, you know, Huckleberry street. Where's your family? <laughs> Um, yeah, true. It's that's a hard problem, hey. Yeah, sorry. Because you can un- understand, like, yeah, like you, you can definitely understand Netflix seeing this issue and how essentially, you know, people are just leeching off of other people's accounts. Yeah, well, well, and uh, yeah. They, they do deserve. I mean, they're offering a service. They do deserve to be paid for that. But it's like, how do you really? Yeah, logistically well, do it. Well, the way they're going about it so far, I think is probably the smartest way, which is just to have tiered plans where you can have multiple, only a certain number of screens can watch at once. 
and mm. increase prices in markets where there's a significant amount of account sharing. Um, that's really all you can yeah. do with something like Netflix, I think. I don't know if there's anything else they can do. And, and clearly, there's been a ton of room for them to increase their their prices, in, particularly in the US. Um, there's been a lot of room for them to push that. And it really hasn't there's really hasn't been any pushback on their subscriber numbers. It's just stayed at 75 million for many quarters. Um, and it's even continued to grow through many price increases. So clearly they've got a lot of room on on that axis. But yeah, the, the difficulty will be, yeah, can they ever capture, um, well, they certainly won't be able to capture all of the accounts, but can they get a, you know, a sizable chunk out of them? Mm. I don't know. But um yeah, and then, then so number three was, uh, you know, they spoke about competition on engagement. So, um, there's obviously a lot more competition in the space now. Disney Plus, HBO Max are probably the two big competitors that everyone will be watching, um, especially with the Warner Discovery merger kind of uh, spin-off from AT&T. Um, so, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of services. They mentioned very briefly, this is another kind of light one that they didn't talk about too much. They mentioned briefly that it had a little bit of an impact on their retention rates, but not significantly. And if you look at the Nielsen data, which does kind of TV ratings and and where people are spending their time, at least in the US, uh, Netflix's uh, share of the time people spend being entertained has only increased um, as even as a percentage of total streaming. So, um, it's yet to be seen that Disney plus and HBO max, which have been out for a while now, um, it's kind of yet to be seen that they're having a material impact. I think what we're more seeing is people are canceling, at least in the U S their cable subscription and kind of just changing how they consume say HBO because HBO is a cable subscription. So it looks more likely that instead of people switching out of Netflix for HBO, they're switching out their cable to add HBO as a streaming service to Netflix. At least that's what the data has shown so far and whether that changes over time, it might. But um, yeah, that was kind of number three. But yeah, certainly mm. um, certainly the competition is heating up. Uh, Disney Plus is uh, continuing to grow at a, a massive rate. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform over time. Tom, out of curiosity, uh, do you what, what sort of streaming services do you subscribe to personally, if any? Uh, Netflix and Disney Plus. And I actually, um, you'll be happy to know this as a Netflix shareholder, I think, Hamish, but I'm actually paying for Netflix myself. Uh, I'm not borrowing well a password or anything. <laughs> well done. I'm- Good on you, Tom. <laughs> You're the real MVP today. <laughs> You're the one supporting Hamish's investment. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Do you, do you ever find, so do you always keep those two subscriptions or do you chop and change out of them? Yeah, I've had, I had Netflix for, I don't know, since I was at uni, so probably like at least five years kind of thing. Um, Never cancelled that. And uh, Disney Plus, I think I got that when they came out with the $9.99 a month for 12 months or whatever that deal was. Um, Mm. You're paying for that too, are you? And they've... Yeah, and I've managed to hang on to me since since then. But um, I, wow. if, if I were to pick one to cancel, it's definitely Disney Plus. I feel like I yeah. spend a lot more time on Netflix. Dis- Disney mm. Plus was good to get the initial nostalgia of you know going back and watching The Lion King yeah. from when you were a kid or whatever. But <laughs> once you've done that once, um, yeah, it's it's hard to hard to it's retain tr- people with that strategy. I think it's interesting that that was definitely a strategy for Disney Plus at the beginning, wasn't it? It was just like, hey, look, we've got this enormous content library that dates back 
to even like the early 1900s with the with mm. the uh, introduction of early day animation and everyone was like oh my god Disney Plus is awesome and then that's what I thought as well like even from kind of like my investment thesis well not that I invested in either either of the two but uh, I was thinking like wow Disney's just got so much content this is Netflix is in trouble and then I quickly realized after after getting Disney Plus, that yeah, I watched a cut. I did the same thing. I watched The Lion King. I watched a couple of those movies from my childhood, and then I was like, "All right, uh, what now? What am I going to watch now?" And then I realized that the stuff that I was like, I was looking to watch was the new stuff that was being constantly put out, and that's when I realized that hmm, actually, maybe my original uh, my original thesis might have been off that. Actually, it's more. It's much more about fresh new content as opposed to just having amazing content from the past. But, mm. uh, yeah, it seems like it. I mean, certainly having um, a content library is extremely valuable. There's obviously a lot of classic movies that have um, the value that that goes on for for many years. It seems like Disney is going to benefit significantly from the IP that they have of these major franchises, where they can make new content um, around these these massive brands um like like star wars for example i think they're gonna do they've probably got content for days how many characters can they (laughs) can can they make individual series about and i think they will do extremely well um on that marvel i think i think the value really is in that and leveraging that for new content particularly in the the tv format i think um i think it's probably surprised a lot of people in in the entertainment industry how popular TV series are um, compared to basically TV series that are just a a long movie um, rather than a TV series where it's kind of like a a regular weekly episode. It's just, it's basically a 10 hour movie that's chopped up into pieces. Um, So that'll be interesting to see, but Disney is still yet to ramp up their original content on, on streaming. Um, Like they, well, they need to get going, don't they? Yeah, and I think this year will be the first big year we we see of that. I think they're going to spend thirty billion on total content. Don't know what the breakdown on that is on streaming, but just to as a comparison, Netflix is going to spend about twenty billion or eighteen billion. So um, they're both, you know, assuming Disney spends like two thirds, for example, which I don't think they will, they'd be in line with Netflix. So they've still got to ramp up to streaming. Um, you know, and they've, they've still got to make their, their content for their legacy businesses. So they've got that kind of trade off and, um, but yeah, that's, um, mm. that's kind of the situation. So that was the third point, the competition. And then yes. she said there was four points. Yes. The last one was a big one they spoke about, which is macroeconomics. So, um, there was a number of things that happened. They withdrew from Russia. So they just, they just banned it in Russia, um, which took 700,000 subscribers. So they were actually, oh, they actually wow. had a growth in subscribers if you, take out that effect. Um, so in terms of actual people subscribing, although it was still a $2 million miss and they're still guiding for the next quarter to be negative 2 million. So clearly it's not just mm. the, not just that withdrawal. Clearly there's other things going on, but they, the couple of interesting things, they actually saw higher churn. So lower retention in a lot of Eastern European countries. So near to the conflict, which was kind of interesting. So there's kind of a flow on effect um, from that not the, the direct conflict, but people maybe getting a little bit more nervous economically um, being in that area. So cancelling mm. things that are discretionary. Uh, and then yeah, true. Latin America, um, there's a number of countries that are just 
in terrible economic circumstances at the moment after the pandemic, not a lot of, uh, as I, I mentioned in my video about Netflix, that it's easy to kind of forget, I think, if you're in, in Australia or New Zealand or the US, that uh, a lot of countries didn't get any stimulus or, or have huge inflation that just outpaced any kind of benefit that the government tried to do. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of countries that are just struggling after the pandemic right now. I mean, even even big countries that tried to handle the pandemic as well as possible are struggling. So you can imagine what it's like for a country that doesn't have that much money or doesn't have that much output. Um, and Latin America has always been a big part of their growth internationally. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at. We're, we're in a tough, around the world, there's a lot of difficult circumstances. And I think that has to be um, considered when you're, when you're thinking about something like Netflix is all of their growth is basically going to come internationally from Asian countries, from Latin American countries, um, from European countries. So what's happening in those parts of the world is, is a big factor, at least in the short term of, of how their growth is, is performing. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't actually really think about the impact of Russia and not knowing Netflix inside and out. That kind of makes a lot of sense that why their user growth was negative. And actually, once you take Russia out of the equation, it was actually positive. But yeah, you still raise a good point is that, hey, they're still guiding for negative 2 million. So, like, there's still big issues. And I don't know how this all fits in, but Tom, something that you sent us earlier today was breaking news. And I guess, Hamish, I would say probably one of the stimulus, one of the stimuli that got you really digging into Netflix is hearing about Bill Ackman's uh, investment in it. Um, And there's been breaking news, which I'll let Tom talk about. Bill Ackman's out. What's going on? He sold it all. (laughs) <laughs> he sold it all. Yeah, and he put out uh, he put out a, a letter to Pershing Square Investors, which is um, Will Ackman's fund, or William Ackman, Bill Ackman, whatever you want to call him. Um, Will Bill, same yeah. And basically explained, <laughs> um, yeah, explained the reasons why he got out of it. And I was just looking back through the dates of when he actually invested in Netflix, and I think it was uh, the 20th or so of January. So it's only been about three months since he actually made the investment and it hasn't even been enough time for it. He's taken an L. Yeah, he's taken an L. Um, It hasn't even been enough time for it to show up on a 13F for Pershing Square. That's kind of how quickly he's turned around (laughs) and and sold out of it. So um, yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, he put out a letter, like I say, explaining why he sold Netflix. So I can maybe read a little bit from that, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. He said, while we have high regard for Netflix's management and the remarkable company they've built in light of the enormous operating leverage inherent in the company's business model, changes in the company's future subscriber growth can have an outsized impact on our estimate of intrinsic value. In our original analysis, mm. we viewed this operating leverage favorably due to our long-term growth expectations for the company. Um, Jeez. So, yeah. There you go. Hamish, thoughts? You're the you're the Netflix man. Yeah, I think it's an interesting move. I personally don't think that there's been any... I mean, certainly there's uncertainty baked into the business, but I don't see how adding, potentially adding or just starting to talk about adding an ad-supported tier um, has any impact on projecting future cash flows for the business. I think the long-term view, at least maybe Bill Ackman's horizon is much shorter, but 
if you have a 10, 15 year horizon, the total addressable market that is gaining access to the internet, that's gaining more technology to view Netflix, that hasn't changed. Um, that's still there. The timeline for how they get there might be dif- different and and what can they capture of that market is is a big question, of course, particularly internationally. They've captured the US and Canada. They've completely penetrated it. But uh, what can they do internationally is a lot of kind of questions there. I personally think there's another reason why he, he sold. Bill Ackman is a man of share repurchases and quick turnarounds. And uh, he didn't see that this quarter. I think he expected two things to happen. So I think they initiated their share repurchase program earlier in 2021, but they didn't mention it for the first time until last quarter. There was no mention of share repurchases this quarter. It looks like they're not going to be doing that considering the the kind of the, the short-term turbulence. Um, so mm. I think that has a big impact. And just with the guidance of the next quarter, the negative 2 million for the next quarter, I think he was expecting that to be positive. I think he was expecting a quick turnaround, buy the stock after a 30% dip, which was what happened in the, the previous report. Um, I, I, I think that's what he expected to happen. And because it's looking like it's a longer horizon, one to two years on the ad support, much longer horizon. If you really want to eliminate uncertainty, I think um, in terms of adoption for Netflix, um, mm. I think that's really the, the kind of the key reasons behind it. He said yesterday in response to continued disappointing customer subscriber growth, Netflix announced that it will modify its subscription-only model to be more aggressive in going after non-paying customers and to incorporate advertising, an approach that management estimates would take, yeah, one to two years to implement. While we believe these business model changes are sensible, it's extremely difficult to predict their impact on the company's long-term subscriber growth, future revenues, operating margins, and capital intensity. We require a high degree of predictability in the businesses in which we invest due to the highly concentrated nature of our portfolio. While Netflix's business is fundamentally simple to understand, in light of recent events, we've lost confidence in our ability to predict the company's future prospects with a sufficient degree of certainty." Yeah, um, mm. but what are your thoughts on that? D- does does that ring true to you as well, or you do, you disagree with that? Yeah, I just think that he thinks that there's not going to be consistent subgrowth. I think he expected there to be consistent. Con- I mean, so up until kind of recently, there's been about what's the figure? I think about 18 million ads per year, and in 2020 and 2021, if you add them together because they were a little bit lumpy and you divide it by two, it was also 18 million. So it looked very, very smooth. And I think he probably just expected it to be smooth going forward. It's not really something I expected. I, like the management team, recognized that the, t- the timeline, particularly in the short term for ha- adoption of, of streaming is extremely uncertain. Um, I have no idea what, what's going to happen in the next couple of years. Um, I think for a business like Netflix, all you can really do is look over the very long term, look at the addressable market and make a reasonable proje- projection about uh, what they can capture in that market. And I'm doing that based on the fact that they have done extremely well in the US. As I mentioned, they've pretty much captured every household. They have the best retention rates. Um, they even have the only the only streaming service that has a higher or the only plan that has a higher retention than Netflix is Disney Plus's uh, 12-month plan. So essentially what that means is the only way that Disney Plus has better retention is when customers can't leave because they're locked in. So that's that's a, that's a bit of a statement. Um, they've done extremely well. They've got pricing power. Their subscription is massively, uh, significantly more expensive. They have more subscribers in the US. They they have everything in the US that indicates they've done extremely well. 
Mm. Um, so it's just a question of whether they can do that internationally, but there's no time. I don't think you can, uh, if you asked me where's Netflix going to be in three years, I have no idea. I have no clue. Tom, what are your thoughts on Netflix kind of generally as a business? Do you feel like there's like competitive advantages there? Do you kind of, what what camp do you sit in? Do you know, I haven't really looked into Netflix in detail. I'm not sure if you have. Yeah, I, I've started to look at it more. Um, I mean, I listened to the conference call that came out yesterday and read the shareholder, shareholder letter and that sort of thing. And I'm a customer of, of Netflix as we just talked about. So um, mm. I think I was one of those people and I've uh, made a couple of videos on this actually. I think I was one of those people that was very quick to discuss dismiss netflix um i think we might have even talked about it on a podcast episode like probably two years ago when i was on here or something <laughs> we looked at um, that was all three of us yeah, at one point yeah, yeah we, we looked at like you know netflix has this great reported earnings on their income statement but they have negative free cash flow and so we all kind of just yeah. dismissed it immediately i think um yeah. and hamish has done some really good videos on breaking that down a little further and Instead of purely just looking at the reported cash flows, thinking about it more from a owner earnings perspective and trying to understand how much of the capital expenditure and new content predominantly is for growth versus maintenance, which is yeah. probably part art, part science to actually figure out. But oh, um, yeah. if you can come to a reasonable conclusion on that, um, depending on, I guess, I guess where you land on how much is growth and how much is maintenance, um, Netflix can start to look pretty attractive depending on, like I say, where you land on that spectrum. So I, I'm coming yeah. around to the idea of, of um, considering Netflix as an investment. Um, great product, yeah, whether I can get there on the financials and, and that sort of thing mm. is something I'm still working through. Just more yeah. broadly as well with the whole idea of competition and, you know, Disney's obviously got, I think, what, four parts of their business. Netflix is really just one thing. Um, do you feel like Netflix, with all the changes they've made over the past few years to be the try and become the leader in fresh new content, do you reckon that that's given them the kind of competitive advantage? Like people want Netflix more than everything else. Do you feel like they, they win in that regard? Or, um, I mean, I think so, yeah. Um, Hamish might be able to speak more to this, but I think if you look at just the hard data on um, how much time people are spending watching Netflix content and the awards that some of the shows and movies are winning. I think that yeah. kind of displays how successful Netflix are becoming and their destiny is much more in their own hands than it probably used to be with content. Um, you know, they used to just license everything and pay Disney and a bunch of other companies um, a whole lot of money yeah. to get content. And now they're able to create it themselves and have more control over it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the difficulty, I think, with a lot of these legacy businesses is they're making a trade-off between um, moving into streaming, which is clearly going to be the, the future and the dominant way that people consume content, um, but they're going to be cannibalizing their, their other businesses. Um, Disney uh, has massive broadcast and cable television networks, which are being cannibalized by their own content and by Netflix's content. So they've got this trade-off and they're also massive companies that pay dividends consistently, at least a lot of them do, uh, like AT&T, which now has spun off Warner as a result of that. So they've got this expectation of being this mature business that returns cash flow to, to shareholders that, that might take on some debt every quarter and, and do share repurchases and do pay dividends. Netflix is not beholden to to any of that. They just are driven uh, to reinvest as much capital as possible back into new content. Um, and I think that gives you, there's certainly advantages to being a legacy media company. I mean, Disney has been doing content for 
a hundred years. Um, but there's definitely advantages to being nimble and being the new guy um, and being just completely focused on that. Just on the point about valuation, you're right. I mean, they spent 17 billion on content uh, last year and the valuation at the moment is a hundred billion. So if you can splice out even a few billion of that as growth, as, as money they're spending to grow uh, subscribers in the future, which clearly they are because they're, they're making movies in 50 different foreign countries. So clearly they're, they're producing content in areas where they're trying to attract subscribers. Um, yeah, you don't have to, even half of that, if, if you did a 50-50 breakdown, you're already at a pretty significant cash flow yield. So um, it is an interesting business. It's certainly, I get arguments. I, 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 um, I understand arguments from, from both sides. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty as well with it, but yeah. It seems like the big question you've highlighted is just where it's like a sliding, it's like a sliding scale. And it's like, where do you drop the point on the, on how much is recurring, uh, like expense for content and whatnot. Yeah. And a lot of people are making the argument that they, all of it is, is just maintenance. Like if they, (laughs) if they, if they cut back any spending, they would immediately lose subscribers. I personally don't think that's the case. Um, if you just look, where you, what you believe, isn't it? I mean, if you look at the last two quarters, you could make that argument. If you just looked at two quarters and said, "Hey, look, they're spending, they're spending the same amount on content, and and they're losing subscribers." So clearly, they're not. There's no growth expenditure. If you look at it in a mm-hmm. vacuum like that, I think that's that you could make that argument. But I think you also have to think about it from the perspective as of they're building film studios in 50 different foreign countries, and they've only just ramped this up in the last really the last year or last couple of years, they have so many lines of content like um, unscripted content, stand-up comedy. There's so many lines that they're mm. in and lines that they're not in at the moment. Um, there's just there's there's so much room, I think, for them to continue to capture, particularly overseas. But what the timeline yeah. for that is, who knows? Right. Very interesting. All right. Well, that was a very long discussion on Netflix. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. All good. It's it's good to go into these things in depth. And yeah, when I've got you two right in front of me that can back and forth in, in this kind of detail on Netflix, I want to take advantage of that for sure. Um, but with that said, we are running at about what? Uh, 50-something minutes. So, should we just do a couple of Q&A questions? We can leave talking about Tesla to next week. Mm. Um, should we do a couple of Q&A questions and then wrap things up? Yeah, sure. Uh, do, you to, All right, cool. do you want me to read one to you? Um, yeah, sure. Let's let's handle this top one. We we're talking about it before. Uh, hi, guys. What is the latest on ASIC development? How will your content reflect these changes? Uh, I can see some content providers on YouTube already changing the tone, titles, etc. Uh, one I follow already closed their channel. Wow. Okay. Surely this can have a negative consequence on subscribers and content in general. Good luck. Uh, good luck on your upcoming trip. Yeah, I think this is interesting. Um, yeah, uh, ASIC, they definitely came out and said, look, you need to watch what you say, watch how you go about things. Um, and it's, I don't think they intended to scare the pants off us, but I think some people did get quite scared by the content they were making because, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, even if it, it was very obvious to me that their main priority is to to get rid of misleading and deceptive behavior when it comes to financial advice, which I'm all about. I think that is much needed. Um, But in doing so, I think people are still naturally nervous because nobody wants, like we don't want to do the wrong thing. So if people are kind of nervous that, oh, even though I'm going about it in the right way, what if my content is interpreted the 
you know, the wrong way. So that's naturally just ma- and ASIC's a, you know, regulatory body. So with the potential penalties, then uh, some people are just like, you know, I just don't want to go anywhere near that risk. You know, I can't sleep at night, that kind of thing. Mm. Totally fine, you know, if, if you want to stop making content. Um, I think that there's not, there's not going to be too much. I mean, with our content, we don't try and influence anybody. I mean, people call us influencers. I think that's the absolute worst name you could possibly give to us. I hate that <laughs> I word hate so too. much because I'm not trying to influence anybody. I mean, yeah. especially with value investing, like one of the most important like fundamentals is that you do your own research, you're rational, you know, you come to your own conclusions and mm. you're not influenced by, you know, talk that you see on CNBC or on YouTube or wherever. Um, so, yeah, I really don't I really don't like the, the whole influencer thing. But I think yeah. that our content is relatively, you know, safe because we, because we are value investors. We are not trying to influence anybody. Sure, we might give an opinion or two, but, yeah. you know, we always usually caveat that anyway with, hey, don't, don't just take this for as gospel, you know. Yeah. But, uh, do you, Tom, I'm interested, do you face any of this sort of stuff uh, over in New Zealand? Yeah, so we, um, our equivalent of ASIC, I guess, is the FMA, which I think is like Financial Markets Authority or something like that. Um, okay. And they, they came out with some guidelines last year for what they called Finfluencers, Financial Influencers. <laughs> right. um, and I, I think... <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of gray areas, I guess, similar to what you guys are experiencing, but it seems yeah. like they were trying to crack down on people that were clearly crossing a line, like people that were pumping shit coins yep. kind of thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I, I actually had a call with them, um, kind of reached out to them just to make sure I was doing everything above board. And um, hmm. yeah, they, they basically, there were still some very gray area type answers Um to some of my questions, but it was more or maybe less. Yes, but maybe not. Yeah, it was more or less. If you're not, <laughs> yeah, if you're um, presenting factual information, you're fine, basically. Um, yeah, okay. That's kind of where I landed with it. But I don't know. Um, New Zealand tends to just copy a lot of things Australia does, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it changes. Yeah, it's mm, just yeah. so. I wish yeah. Australia. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say go. it's just so broad. So we've we've just got to kind of navigate it as as kind of best we can. And I think for us, it means making sure that the primary purpose of our content is not providing or um, giving financial advice. I think that's really what we have yeah, to absolutely. do. Um, and I think, I mean, certainly, um, I think certainly the vast majority of our content fits that. It's just maybe thinking about it more critically on a content video by video basis. But I mean, certainly mm-hmm. like we've mentioned this podcast, I mean, clearly the purpose, the primary purpose of this podcast is not to influence you on decisions. It's entertainment, a bit of news. And then maybe there's, there's, you know, elements where you might be influenced uh, and that's what the media exemption exists for. So that's, um, that's where we can mm-hmm. kind of sit. Yeah, but who knows? Even if we if we qualify for that anymore, I just don't know. Yeah, well, anyway. yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. If if we just had some clarity, hey. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. You mentioned during lockdown that you were itching to get back to golf. Have you ba- been back on the course much? And what is your history with the game? And I'm also going to throw a different question to Tom. Have you been back fishing after lockdown? 
But Hamish, let's start with you. Golf, uh, what's, you've been what's playing? What's my history with the game? It sounds like I've, I've like been a professional before or something. Yeah, yeah I, I used to play when I was Back in 1999. Yeah, I was in the under eights uh, world championship. No, um, no, I haven't. <laughs> Coached by Tiger Woods. Yeah, exactly. No, I um, I haven't actually been back. I've oh, I've just been busy. I don't know. I, I keep meaning to. I need to just make time like once a week, set a time and go and do it. But I haven't been back. So maybe we'll go um, when we're in the US. We'll go, we'll go play some golf. Why not? Yeah. Apparently, there's this place called like uh, Top Golf or something. Oh, uh, yes. That's very good. It's very You're fun. like on an elevated platform or something, and you're just trying to absolutely whack the crap out of balls into like different target zones or something. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's ve- that top, top Golf is great. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. Uh, I haven't. So, yeah, I've never even. Have you Have you been to one before? Or you just Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, oh, there's right. one in the Gold Coast. So, yeah. Oh, is there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. No, nah, it's great. It's like. Uh, I don't know. It's great. There's like a bar and you get food and yeah. That's mad. It's, it's a, yeah, it's Sign a, me up. Very smart idea. Whoever came up you with a, that. You a golfer, Tom? No. Or you trade no. the clubs for a, for a reel instead? Yeah. The only golf I've really done is like at a driving range where there's no finesse required. Use those Atlas Stone muscles. (laughs) Just whack it as far as you can. (laughs) Pretty much. So I'd be down for some top golf. That, That looks pretty cool. Mm. Is there good fishing around the states that we need to go and? I don't know. Um, I watch a few US uh, like YouTube fishing channels, uh, but I I forget where a lot of them are based. <laughs> I think a lot of them are in Florida, um, which Probably, I'm not going to yeah. get a chance to get to. But um, that would be pretty cool. But um, mm. yeah, go I, and catch I, a couple gators. Yeah, I, I was out over Easter though. Managed to do a bit of fishing over Easter in the far north east coast of New Zealand. Nice. So that was pretty good. Very good. Is it your um, one of your profile pictures online? Has you? Is it you holding a mass? That fish is so ginormous that you're next. I I can't remember where where have I seen this picture? What fish is that? Probably on Facebook. I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. That's a what? What fish is that? Uh, that's a snapper. Which um, oh, a snapper. Yeah, in New Zealand we call that a snapper. Interestingly, though, it's actually not a species of snapper. There's many different species of snapper globally, oh. and someone back in oh. the day mistakenly called that a snapper. It's actually a species <laughs> of bream, technically, uh, but everyone oh. calls that a snapper in New Zealand. And yeah, you're just running with it. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a snapper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big fish. That's a, that's a that's a whopper. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my my first ever twenty pound snapper. Twenty pounds like wow. a like a New Zealand benchmark where you're like you're a man, you know. You've you've ticked that <laughs> oh, box. You've ticked right, that okay. box if you once in your life catch a twenty pound snapper. So um, right. I caught a, I caught my second one actually this summer, which was pretty cool. Um, and re- released him, so he went back to swim another day. But um, good yeah, on you, that, Tom. That's pretty cool. Wow, like, good on you, Tom. What's the I'm just rambling now. Was it there was one fish that I had no idea that it was actually like flipping ginormous. I think was it tuna? Is is tuna like a really ginormous fish? Lots. I can't remember. Right. <laughs> Sorry. There's lo- there's lots of different species of tuna, but um, oh right. Yeah. If, or maybe it was salmon. I can't remember. But I just imagined for for my whole life because honestly, <laughs> like I joke about loving fishing, but I actually I know nothing about fishing. Um, where it's one of the ones you just like get in the supermarket or whatever. And I always thought there were these little fishies just going around. They all get scooped up with a net. And then I like realized one day that these things are like flipping enormous and weigh like a hundred kilos or something crazy. Yeah, it depends. Like, if it's like a, a, often in the little can tuna, you get like albacore, 
which are, I don't know, get up to like 50, 60 centimeters, maybe something like that. Um, right. But there's all sorts of tuna, like there's yellowfin tuna, which you find more in the Pacific. And I think right. like probably like f- far north Queensland type areas even. Um, right. Okay. And they can get over a hundred kilos. And then you've wow. got like the, 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 you know, like the wicked tuna TV show that used to be on discovery. I'm not sure if you ever saw that, but no. they catch, um, I think they're just called giant bluefin tuna. They get to like 800 pounds, which is like 360 kilos or something like, wow. Unbelievably Ooh. big. Yeah. Crazy. Jesus. Yeah. We occasionally, oh, we'll to, we'll to- we occasionally get yellowfin in New Zealand, but I've never caught one. They're pretty rare now. Right. Apparently they used to right, like, okay back in like 1900 or something in New Zealand apparently pretty much any time you'd come across across a pot of dolphins there'd just be a bunch of yellowfins swimming with them um they right, kind of travel yeah. together and i think that still happens in like Oman and those sorts of areas um but right. in, in New Zealand i think that they just got fished out really quickly and yep. they're kind of starting to come back now like the rest of the world yeah yeah anyway yeah. topic for another day um Thanks for coming on, Tom. No worries. Good to have a chat with you. Loves a bit of fishing uh, chat. And yeah, absolutely <laughs> love a bit of fishing chat. And we will be, uh, we are very excited to be uh, to be going to America in T minus how many days? Not many. I don't know. Get, a few. Start packing. Well, as long oh, as man, you don't I still got to figure out all my content. Sorry, what you say, As long Tom? as you don't have COVID. Yeah, that's, that's that was a bombshell. step number one, isn't it? That's step number one. No, I still haven't got my text message to say. When do you, when are you going to get that back? Do you reckon? Is it a couple of days now? It should be today. Okay. All right. Well, let us. I mean, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I am. I am asymptomatic. Yeah. But there's always the the question oh, well, of Lisa, do I have it? And I've just got no symptoms. At least I'll be able to get but my yeah, fingers crossed. I'll be able to put my feet up on the plane. I was going <laughs> to yeah, exactly. say the same thing. If we look on the bright side, Hamish, we can have, yeah. we won't have to fight for armrest quite as much. I no, think the three of us just sitting next to each other yeah. for like 13 yeah. hours going to LA or yeah. something, right? Actually, now that I think about it, it would actually be pretty good if, um, if Brandon got COVID. So. <laughs> as, as long as they didn't fill his seat with, with someone else and- yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, well, no. I don't even know. That's that's <laughs> the thing. If, if if this comes back positive, then what do I? I don't even know. Do I do I have a clause in the thing where I can just move my flight because I got COVID? Can I can I reschedule it or do I have to pay again? Like this is just stuff that I just don't. Yeah, you might have to beg. I think. <laughs> I think I might have to. Oh, I, I know. I'll certainly have to be on hold with an airline for about fifteen hours. That's for sure. Yeah. Probably longer than the flight mm. itself. Anyway, we'll find out. Anyway, let's wrap things up. Thanks, gents. That was great. Um, Good chat. Good chat. And uh, I'll see you. (laughs) See you next Tuesday, (laughs) as as the saying goes. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, All right. Make sure everybody go and check out Tom, Investing with Tom on YouTube and the Investing with Tom podcast. And he actually did a podcast fairly recently with Guy Spear, the man himself, how he wiggled into that flipping dinner. God damn have a good time um but apart from that thank you guys very much for listening watching as per usual and uh i think we'll talk to you guys next week from the states Mm -hmm. see you guys